and welcome to episode 33. This is Owen the Saints, the podcast that covers league leaders Southampton. Feels good to say that. I'm joined today by Jack and Mainstone. How are you doing, boys? Yeah, very well. What a great weekend. Very, very good weekend. Mainstone, you there? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Buzzing at the moment. <laughs> so we are chatting um, the day after... We beat Newcastle 2-0. We'll come on to the game shortly, but the big news, obviously, is top of the league. Jack, how does it feel to be supporting a club top of the Premier League? I'm not going to lie, mate. It genuinely feels surreal. Last <laughs> night, after the game, embarrassing the amount of time I spent looking at that league table. Um, but it's just, I can't believe it's the same season that we got smashed 5-2 against Spurs because I thought we were you know, a bit doomed back at the start of the season. But we just seem to have turned it round. And we're up there on merit. We've got 16 points at the moment. And it just I just feel like turning up watching Southampton now, we can give any team a game. And it just feels unbelievable to be supporting the league leaders. Even if it's just for a night, we'll take it. <laughs> First time Saints have been top of the league since 1988, um, then managed by Chris Nichol. First time ever being top of the Premier League. Now, it's unlikely to be the case that we're top when this podcast goes out on Monday but you've got to enjoy it while it lasts, absolutely. Mainstone, what, what was your main emotion after the final whistle went? Um, pff, ecstasy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the the way the game panned out um, and the fact it did take us probably longer than it should have to really seal the game off. Um, it was relief. It was joy just because, again, we played so, so well. Um, and then, like Jack said, we're sitting top of the table and I think we've well and truly earned it. Absolutely. So yeah, um, let's chat about the game then. So Southampton 2, Newcastle 0, goals for Che Adams and Stuart Armstrong. That's three straight wins now, fourth clean sheet um, and we're six unbeaten. As you mentioned, an incredible performance. I mean, Saints played well, Newcastle were dreadful. Um, but let's start with the team selection because that was the big talking point going into the game. Ralph... Um, opted for Jack Stevens at left back coming in for the injured Ryan Bertrand and then obviously with the injury to Danny Ings facing up to six weeks out we went with Theo Walcott up front partnering Che Adams um, with Musa Gineppo on the left instead of Nathan Redmond so Jack I'll come to you first what what was your immediate take when you saw the team news drop? Um, initially I was a bit surprised to see Jack Stevens at full back but I think ultimately it was the right call that's why Ralph gets paid the, the money he does because he did make that decision. Um, I thought, you know, rather than, I think you tweeted out before the game, rather than playing two players out of position and shifting Walker-Peters to left back, um, you may as well just keep him on the right-hand side. He's got great link-up play with Stuart Armstrong and I think that was a massive part of our game yesterday. And I thought Jack Stevens did everything that you could have asked for him, really. He's playing out of position. He's not left-footed. He's not the same. He's not going to give us that option on the left-hand side, but I thought he was very solid. Um, Musa Gineppo starting over Redmond was another one where I was maybe slightly surprised. But again, I think it was the right call, provided that energy on the left-hand side. And I thought he he provided that cover also to, to Jack Stevens, who there's a danger of him being a bit isolated, playing out of position. But I saw a stat. Gineppo made the most tackles um, on the pitch yesterday, seven tackles. So he was getting stuck in. And Theo Walcott up front. Again, right decision. He provided that energy. He was getting in between the midfield and the back four and, you know, filling 
Danny Ings' boots where he's just providing that bit of link-up play in between the midfielders and, and Shea Adams. So I thought, great decisions all round from Ralph. And Mainstone, what, what was your take then? I mean, obviously, Walcott set up the, the opening goal for, um, for Shay. Um, how impressed were you with his performance and Stevens at left-back? Yeah, I think um, Walcott was very impressive. I don't think, um, if he probably looks back on it today and, and sees the highlights, I don't think he probably feels he had the best game of his career. There was quite a few stray passes and um, breakdowns in dribbles, um, <clears throat> certainly after he picking the ball up from deep. But he'd, he'd done everything we asked of him. Um, he was busy. He worked tirelessly. Um, again, he'd done that really important Ings role where he does drop in towards the halfway line, pick the ball up on the half turn and kind of break lines through there. Um, so I was impressed with him in that. And yeah, really, really good um, performance from him. Um, Jack Stevens, you can tell he's not a left back, um, but no one's expecting him to go and set the world alight at left back. Um, I think Newcastle probably missed a trick. Um, with him being at left back I don't think they exploited it enough because there was a couple of times where he did have to defend um, mainly out looking so he got left sided um, so defending with his left foot forward um, and then getting the ball on his left foot and he did look a little bit wobbly um, mm. but again like Jack said reiterate he'd done everything you could have asked of him because he's not a left back and to me it shows how important um, Kyle Walker-Peter is to this team now the fact that we would much rather do that and only disrupt that one place um, and keep him on the right where he belongs. Um, and the same goes for how important James Will Prowse is now because last season he may have gone and filled, filled in that void, um, but now he's integral to the way we play. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you make a good point there about Newcastle missing a trick because I, I haven't watched any of them apart from the game yesterday. Um, but I was surprised to see uh, Sam Maximan in a central role just because he, he was so good against us last season, um, out on the left and, and kind of swapping onto the right. He terrorised Jan Valerie and obviously scored the winning goal. Yesterday, it was pretty anonymous, um, playing centrally uh, off Callum Wilson. And, and you'd think that if you look at our team and you see Jack Stevens at left-back, that's a massive opportunity for their best player to get at him. And they just didn't at all. Um, so... I thought that was a missed opportunity as far as Newcastle was concerned, but they, they really had so little of the ball. Um, we were ahead after just seven minutes. Jay Adams uh, getting on the score sheet. He went the opening four games this season without a goal, um, but now he scored versus Chelsea, Everton and Newcastle. So he's rolling. He needs to step up in the absence of Danny Ings. Jack, what did you make of Jay's performance? Man of the match for me. I thought he was the best player on the pitch. Um, like you said, he's got a lot more responsibility now that Danny's out for six weeks or so. I thought his hold-up play was unbelievable. The ball was sticking when it got fired up to him and that's what you need from your striker. His finish was top draw, head down. It's got the potential. I mean, it was a, it was a good pass across from, from Theo, but it, was, it, was, uh, you know, it should have been along the floor. I took a little bounce, but it should have been along the floor. Head down over the ball. You, you tweeted about his finishing, Pat, didn't you? And I think... Maybe you can explain a bit, little bit better than me, but he's not the same finisher as Danny Ings, but he, he hits the target. And now he's, he's getting on a bit of a run. Hopefully these ones we find in the, the gaps a little bit more than hitting the keeper. Yeah, I mean, this, his goal yesterday was not too dissimilar from similar shots that he's had in the past um, that have just hit the keeper. Um, one yeah. against Palace springs to mind in the opening day of the season where mm. it's just instinct and he just strikes it, hits the target, um, but on that occasion, it was just straight at the keeper. Um, and that could have been the equaliser. Um, now, yesterday, he opened the scoring because, he again, he hit the target and with so much power. 
Um, it was pretty central. Like Darlow may feel that he, he should have got something on it, um, but there was so much power in it. It just flashed past him. Uh, and that's 1-0. And he's not the same as Danny Ings. Danny Ings picks out a corner um, and, is, and is just so clinical. Whereas I think Adams is just get in the position, um, get over the ball and get it on target. Um, but yeah. there, I mean, it, was love- a, it, was, it was a, sorry. Yeah, it was a great finish. It was a great finish. And I also think I'm impressed about Adams. This is general link up play. Now there's a, there's a passage of play that sticks out in my mind where he, he took the ball down around the halfway line and played Stuart Armstrong in. I think it was one which led to the potential penalty, but just the perfectly weighted pass, perfect angle on it to put in for on goal. And I think, that's what he's added to his game. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of the time last season, they weren't coming off. But we've got a striker now that's hitting a bit of form. But he's also providing great link-up play. He seems yeah. to understand the system perfectly, playing alongside another striker. So, yeah, I think I, I can't wait to watch more of Shea this season. You, you just made me. You just reminded me, actually. Yeah, we saw it in little fits and starts last season. And that kind of sums up his season. Because I remember against Leicester when we won at the King Power, he came on, didn't really do much, but just had the vision to, to put Ings through um, mm. for the winning goal um, there. But n- now we're seeing it consistently. We're seeing it every game, basically, which is fantastic. Um, a word on Walcott Mainstone, just because he got the assist for that goal. Um, and it came from some excellent pressing. I thought we pressed fantastically through the whole game. Um, and it was Walker-Peters that kind of picked the pocket of Almiron uh, and then Walcott squared it for Adams to open the scoring. Um, yeah, just you've already kind of touched on Walcott, but what did you make of, of his performance overall and of the pressing of the team? Yeah, outstanding. Again, the, the team press was really, really good and it's so obvious to see now um, that they everyone has their own little trigger point in order to press from. Um, it was actually just before the Walcott and Carl Walker-Peter, um, Carl Walker-Peter's press that I, I saw before. Che Adams actually pressed the ball down in their, our corner um, and he got he won them a throw-in or something but pressed really well out of nothing. We won the ball straight back. There was about three or four players covering the throw-in straight away. We won the ball back. He obviously um, tried to put one top right and good save from the keeper. Um, and then we pressed again and it fell to him mm. and he, he was switched on. He um, he went in the box. A lot of players, if they'd have been a couple of inches away from a 25-yard screamer, they might have had their <laughs> head on their uh, hands on their head and would have just sat there. But he was instinctively in the right place at the right time because um, he knows what's coming around the corner. If there's an opportunity where there's a loose ball, he knows that that press is coming. Um, and everyone, it looks like everyone's singing on the same hing sheet now. It's really impressive. Yeah, the reason why I wanted to go back to Walker actually, because I think you made a good point where you, where you say like, looking back on the game today, he might feel there's a few missed opportunities. And one of them was just before half time, um, a chance to make it 2-0. Uh, great work from Gineppo in the build-up with a little flick through to Walcott. Um, and he just put it wide. Now, this is his first home game, first game at St. Mary's for what, 14 years? Um, it was set up for him to score. And you just, you just, I, I just felt anyway that that was his moment, um, and it just went wide. So, but overall, very positive, I think, as far as Walcott's um, performance goes. And I think he's probably done enough now to say that going forward, without Ings for however long that may be, um, four to six weeks, that that Walcott has earned that position um, in place of Ings. Is that fair? I think so. Yeah, I mean. We were discussing that transfer when, when we brought him in on loan and I think it got a bit of a mixed reaction from Saints fans. A lot of people were happy with Walcott coming home and um, things like that, but a little bit not too excited about what he's going to add on the pitch. Looking from yesterday's performance, I think he's a, 
brilliant acquisition. And with Danny injured for six weeks, he's just, you know, the alternative without, without um, Walcott there would have been Shane Long, probably alongside Shea Adams. And he just doesn't have that technical ability that Theo has, what you need in a Preston team. Um, so I think definitely state his claim to, to start alongside Shea for the, while Danny's out that that chance um, where he put it wide I was already celebrating I honestly yeah. thought he'd put that bottom corner and I, I'm not going to be too critical on that because I think he did you think he did everything right really it's an unbelievable flip from Gineppo but to shift it onto his right foot you think it was just perfect to bend it in the corner just just set it too far outside the post but I thought it was a it was a very solid performance from Theo while we're on the subject, what did you make of the penalty shout in the second half? Um, at one nil at that point, I think it was Armstrong that played it across to him and then Lascelles challenge on Walcott in the box. Mainstone, penalty for you? Looking back on it, yes. When I first saw it, I said, no, I said, that's a good tackle. He's won the ball. Um, the replays, the slow motion replays from multiple angles then suggested that he wasn't in control of that tackle. Um, and that's the kind of rule I was understood that they go by now. Um, he, he just about caught the ball with the back of his calf. Um, everything else was on top of the ball, heading quite quickly towards um, Walcott's leg. And he was lucky that his leg wasn't grounded at that point. Otherwise, it could have actually been quite nasty. Um, so, yeah, looking back on it, I, I do think it was a pen. At the time, I can see why the referee probably didn't give it. But... VAR's there for a reason. They barely looked at it for more than five seconds, it seemed like, because by the time they said it was being looked at, the commentator said, oh, it's all done, let's play on kind of thing. Mm. Um, so I, I would have loved to have seen him go to the screen on that since because if he'd have seen that challenge, the slow motion replays that we saw on Sky last night on his screen, he would have had to give a penalty. Jack, penalty, yes or no? I'm going to echo Mainstone's thoughts. At the time, I thought really poor ball from Stuart Armstrong. He didn't put enough on it. And he just was, I thought it was a brilliant tackle from the cells. Um, but again, both angles that you saw, the reverse angle, he went straight over the top of, top of the ball. A few people on Twitter saying he got the ball, but I think that's, that's no excuse really. You can't skin it with your calf and then clatter the, the forward. So should have been a penalty. But, but I think what Ralph said after the game, he doesn't want to rely on penalties. He doesn't want to rely on decisions. He wants his team to, to win the game outright. And that's what we did. Yeah, I mean, we had plenty of opportunities. Um, Bednarak, header saved. Um, Romeu almost scoring another screamer. Great save there from Darlow, tipping it onto the crossbar. Um, so we had opportunities. Mainstone, was there anything in the back of your mind? I mean, you wouldn't be a Saints fan if you weren't a little bit nervous at 1-0. <laughs> I think it comes with the territory, doesn't it? <laughs> um, I, I can't lie. I genuinely think if, if that performance or that game um, all panned out the same way this time last year, I think we would have maybe drop some points there mm -hmm. um, there was a little bit of not doubt but obviously from experience a little bit creeping in the back of my mind especially when I saw big Andy Carroll coming on um, and <laughs> think this has just got him one all written all over it after how a, many a chances. bundled goal in the ninety first yeah. minute from a corner yeah um, but again on the flip side obviously it's easy to say now but it shows how far we've come um, we, we we looked so much more mature. It was the same against Everton. I noticed a lot of times where when we had the, um, the ball kind of on our halfway line with the defence knocking it about and then Ward Prowse and Romeo coming to get it, they in, at times they were in no real rush to really get the ball forward. They were really um, waiting for that right moment to break the lines with a pass. And I think it was mainly Vestergaard that was doing it. Um, I thought his passing was outstanding last night. Um, 
But yeah, we just look so much more mature. And it's almost like he spent all of this time going through the 4222 system and everyone's now got it and understand it that now they're actually starting to do a little bit of game management alongside that. And it's adding to on top of being to be able to play that system really well. Mm. Let's talk about the defence, actually, because it is another clean sheet. Um, as mentioned at the top, that's four now this season. Um, Newcastle were poor, but a stat from the first half, Sam Maximan and Wilson, their two most dangerous players, had one touch each in our box in the first half. Um, I'm not sure about the second, but I don't think it got much better for them after that. Now, Vestergaard and Bednarak at the back did a fantastic job on those two. Um, they've also, they also did a job on Calvert-Lewin, a few weeks ago. Um, we conceded three against Villa, but we should never have conceded three. So and I think they kept Ollie Watkins very quiet as well, and he's been in good form. Um, Wilson ca- came into the game with six or seven Premier League goals. I mean, fantastic form and barely had a kick. Um, how much praise would you give, uh, Jack, to Vestergaard and Bednarak? I think what, what they're doing now is managing the game with the ball. They seem a lot more comfortable with the ball. And I think what Mainstone touched on there about game management we're just almost killing the, you know, a team would come to St. Mary's or we'd go away to um, a different club and we just keep the ball. And Vestergaard is so good at just, you think there's a lot of pressure on him and you think he's under, under a lot of pressure, but he would pick out Walker Peters or he'd pick out the left back and he would just kill the, the, the press. So whilst we're so solid at the back without the ball, what we're doing just having... 60-70% of possession that, that's what kills all the motivation of teams coming to St Mary's and they've been unbelievable them two as a partnership I think four clean sheets now this season um, a word on McCarthy as well because I think he's improved massively there's still element of his game kicking wise which when the ball goes back to him a better keeper with the ball at his feet would retain possession sometimes he does try go long and it goes out for a throw and that's one part of his game that he needs to improve further however I think he has made massive strides in that um, so yeah I think the back five overall the two centre-backs have been solid and I think we need to talk about Carl Walker-Peters more because that honestly is one of the most astute signings that Southampton have made in the last few seasons in my opinion On McCarthy he made that big save towards the end didn't he I think that we, we all know that's what he's got in his game his shot stop he's one of the best shot stoppers in the Premier League and he proved that again last night with that stunning save um, to keep it at 2-0 um, but let's talk about the second goal Stuart Armstrong um, he's in great form he's so crucial to the way we play and he popped up again we picked well, we picked the pocket of one of the Longstaff brothers I'm not sure which I mean I couldn't pick him out of a lineup to be honest um, but yeah they dallied, one of them dallied on the edge of the box Stuart Armstrong robs him and, and pops it bottom corner and that's 2-0 and it's nice and comfortable from then um, a word on Armstrong Mainstone up there for me with um, one of our most important players I should imagine he's alongside probably James Ward-Prowse and Danny Ings. He's probably first name on the team sheet um, when he's fit and available. Obviously, we're going into an international break now and Scotland have got a big game, so we all know which way that's going to go. <laughs> um, he's going to come back injured probably. Um, but but he's just so important to us. He he makes everything work. We, we don't look, we've said it a number of times on the podcast, when he's not playing and we try to play the way that we usually play, it just doesn't look right. Mm-hmm. He's such an important cog to the wheel that turns around and all the pressing and the, the triggers. Um, and he's... He's technically very, very good as well. Genuinely, I think, potentially one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. 
Um, he's another Stephen Davis for me. So good on the ball, rarely gives it away, never lets you down. Um, I think when he goes, then he'll really start to be appreciated by a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, um, fantastic performance from him again. Um, and, and the midfield, just generally, uh, I'll hold my hands up and say, Romeo, I did not expect him to be capable of putting in this level of performance this consistently. Um, yesterday, again, he was fantastic. Picked up a booking after about 25 minutes. I mean, it was a great, it was from a Southampton point of view, it was a fantastic tackle because it stopped a really, really dangerous counter-attack. Um, but from that point on, I was thinking, okay, we might be seeing Diallo after about 60 minutes now, just because um, that's what happened against Spurs. Um, Romeo picks up an early yellow card and he's walking a tightrope for the rest of the game. That didn't happen, partly because Newcastle were crap, but partly because Romeo managed the game really well in midfield. Um, so yeah, I was really impressed with him. And then Will Prowse again, captain. Um, I thought he got around the pitch fantastically and puts in challenges that just really breaks up the play and, and allows us to move up the pitch. Um, so really impressive overall midfield performance. Anyone else, Jack, that you wanted to, to single out before we look ahead to, to what's up next? Um, I would just echo that about the midfield. We came up against, I think it was Longstaff and Hendrick in there, which not the best sent midfield duo, but we just didn't give them a moment on the ball. I think there was a couple of times where they had the ball and they thought they were getting pressed even though they weren't getting pressed. That's how good our pressing was. We just seemed to be almost in their heads. So I think Romeo and Ward Prowse, we brought in Diallo, um, great option. Hopefully we're going to see more of him, but at, at the moment you can't drop either of them to. What they're developing in that midfield is, is special. So um Long may it continue. Romeo's long shots as well. Don't know what's going on there. Where's that, where the that come He's, from? He scored the scream, I think, it was against West Brom. And that one yesterday against Newcastle was going top corner. But um, yeah, he's been, he's been so impressive. So 16 points now from eight games. Um, we've never had more at this stage of a Premier League season. Um, it's level with our 2014-15 season. So we've never had a better start to a Premier League season. Mainstone, I'm going to come to you. We're top of the league. We don't want to get too carried away, but what's the ceiling for this team? Stop the count. <laughs> Stop the count right now. I'm done. <laughs> um, it's, I think it's a really difficult one because like you say, you don't want to get carried away. It's so good to see Southampton at the top of the tree. Um, mind the gaps comment going left, right and centre for everyone I see. Um, and I think as Southampton fans, we deserve this little bit, don't we, of, of gloating. And, we do. And, being Absolutely. really proud. Um, and the boy, the team and Ralph and everyone at the club earns it at the moment for, for the last year or so that they've been going through. Um, but if there's a Premier League season where a, um, a outside the top six club, um, someone like us or Wolves or Everton or anything like that, are going to make a claim for getting Europa League spot or potentially maybe pushing a, another team out of it, this could be the season because of obviously the no fans, the coronavirus, everything that's going on. Um, a lot of teams are are dropping points, um, so you never know. Really, I think it would be silly to make a to make a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing that I enjoy most about Southampton at the moment is just I don't think we compromise with the way we play. We have our system, and we've got Wolves. I think next we go away to Molyneux, and I think we'll play that system and we'll yeah. try and impose our way of playing on them rather than try to limit what they mm-hmm. do and. You know, previous managers, it seems like we didn't really have an idea of how we play football. But every time you turn on the TV and watch Southampton now, you know what you're going to get. And you know there's going to be chances. You know, there's risks that are going to be taken and you might 
give away the few chances, but it's exciting. We're fun to watch. We're patient. We press well and we're incisive in the final third. So I just, yeah, so excited watching Southampton. And I just think all credit has to go to Ralph because he's worked on that system. And he's stuck with it. I mean, we last season we veered away from it and it was an absolute nightmare, but he's stuck with <laughs> it. And I think we're, we're reaping the benefits of it now. It's a good point because there was kind of, I, I don't, I, I never really took it seriously um, before the game, but there was talk of maybe going to a back three considering our injuries but it just feels like this is this is the way we play now 4-2-2-2 and even with the injuries we're going to stick to it everybody knows their role within the team Um, and and it's paying off and Mainstay me and you were were chatting before the game about coaching um, and as far as Hassan goes his his stock is just rising and rising and rising we were chatting about um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and how he's got all these fantastic players at his disposal, but you just kind of feel like he's just a replacement level manager that's just kind of just getting along with those players. Whereas Ralph has lifted almost every single one of our players to another level. Um, and that's what a good coach does. Yeah, for me, it's um, <clears throat> there's good coaches and there's good managers. Um, and there's also just managers for me as well. Um, Oli Gunnar Skolshaw would fit into that just manager point of view. His job is to put the team sheet in um, and everything else kind of is left to the players. That's what it looks like from a fan watching on. Um, whereas you look at someone like like Ralph or not comparing them, but like Guardiola or Klopp, um, they have a system. They coach players to that system um, and they, they make every everyone buy into how they want teams to play, their teams to play. Um, it's kind of chalk and cheese again not saying it's it's right or wrong but Steve Bruce and Hassan Hootel last night um, we're playing a system whereas Steve Bruce I should imagine is kind of picking the best 11 on what he thinks can win the game and they just try and go out there and do it whereas mm-hmm. everything towards us and our game plan is all everything's thought about down to a T Well Jack as you mentioned it's Wolves up next away that's after the international break, um, which has come at a good time for us, really. Hopefully, we'll get Ryan Bertrand back. It doesn't sound like too bad of a hamstring strain. So, fingers crossed, he'll be back. Um, and then Ings, I mean, the best case is four weeks. Um, well, hopefully, worst case will be six weeks. But Wolves away up next. Mainstone, what, what do you think we can go and do there? Should we, we, be, we should be looking for at least a point, right? Yeah, I think we'll take a point. Um, I think it'll be a really good game in terms of just what we were saying about teams playing to a system. It's two very good footballing teams that play good, attractive football. Um, So I should imagine there'll be goals. Um, And again, because they are a good team, we all know that you would take a point up there away from home, um, keep the ball rolling. Um, And who knows, we'll still be in the Champions League bots. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, gents, thank you both very much for joining me. Um, Saints fans, listening hopefully you've had a fantastic weekend um enjoying us at the top of the table um we'll be back next week uh, it is international break but we'll we'll have an episode um for you and then after that we'll be coming back with reaction to the wolves game um from molyneux so jack maystone thank you very much for joining cheers guys thanks boys all the best have a good one Pat, what's going on? Why are we still here? Well, remember when I told you I was first starting this podcast? Yeah. And I said it was because it was moving to the US and I wanted to stay in touch with the Saints community. I wanted to build some great content and I wanted to talk Saints with other Saints fans. 
Yeah. Well, it was that, but it was also because one day I hoped we would catch the eye of an up-and-coming male grooming brand and they'd offer us free stuff. And guess what? It's happened, hasn't it? It's happened. It's actually happened. Somebody wants to sponsor us. Not just that, they've given us free stuff. That is quality news. What's this company then? Well, you know, our audience is football fans and football fans, not all of them, of course, but the majority of football fans are male. Okay. And the majority of them are between the ages of 18 and 44. Yeah. Oh, that's why we did the beer, right? Do a podcast, get sponsored by a brewery, job done. What's this company then? Grooming. Is that haircuts, beard stuff? What are we talking? We are talking pubes. No, we're not. Surely not. Yes, we are. Manscaped.com want to sponsor us. They are massive in the US. I'm, I'm, I'm in the US. You see their adverts everywhere. They're trying to break into the UK market. And they got in touch with us and were like, would you be interested in trying out our products for free? Now, never shaved downstairs before, but you know what? I thought, why not? They look after your balls. Simple as that. So, yeah, I went for it. They sent over their, their kit, the Perfect Package 3.0. And I have to say, used it. Game changer. It's like a Japanese sculpture garden down there now. <laughs> well to be honest mate it's 2020 it's been a weird year you've got to try new things and I've also used it I've used the kit they've sent over lawnmower 3.0 everything that you want precise accurate error free reminds me of Danny Ings in the 18 yard box <laughs> um, not really yeah, was, yeah go on yeah they sent over they sent over a load of stuff a ball toner ball deodorant again for that sensitive area it's soothing gentle smells delightful couldn't recommend it anymore throw in a pair of boxes as well so everyone's a winner there we go. Yeah, ball tone and ball deodorant. Two products I'd never thought, two things I'd never thought I'd say. Um, but you know what? Like you said, 2020, weird year. Try it out. Why not? Um, grooming wise, we, we get haircuts, we trim our beards, we use deodorant, do quite a lot of grooming in the 21st century. It's a logical next step. Um, so, manscaped.com, give it a Google, take a look. Uh, and yeah, if you use promo code OWTS, you get 20% off and free shipping. Um, yeah, from our point of view, highly recommended, right? Definitely. Just to repeat that, OWTS is the promo code, 20% off. You're actually getting a bargain there. Absolute bargain. And now manscaped.com in the US, like I said, they're really big and they have these catchy taglines. They try and they like the podcast to say, so things like make your testies their besties, grooming tools for your family jewels is a good one. But I think we can do better than that. We can come up with our own saints related one. Um, did you want to start? Shave long. Shave long, yeah, that's good. Um, my personal favourite, clean ings up around your small bone. So I think that's going <laughs> to be our tagline um, for manscaped.com. Clean ings up around your small bone. If you think you can beat that as a tagline, tweet us, OWT, Saints Pod, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you can beat that, fair play to you, because I think that's very, very good. <laughs> and that's the best we could come up with on about half an hour of trying to think of um, witty pube-related Saints puns. <laughs> um, but yeah, just to repeat it from the top, 20% off if you go to manscaped.com, free shipping, uh, use promo code OWTS. Perfect. Three points for Saints and a clean set of pubes. You'd love to see it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, mate. Until next week. Nice one, mate. Speak to you then.